Welcome to the Covenant of Peace radio broadcast, the teaching ministry of Pastor Blair Bradley. This program is dedicated to bringing you the glorious truth of God's Word, one verse at a time. A mighty fortress is our we are living in powerful days and we are seeing tremendous changes in our lives, our culture, our nation, and in the church. So now more than ever, we have a great need to exercise spiritual discernment and to know what the Bible teaches about the important issues that we all face today. So let's join Pastor Blair as he continues our study on the Word of God. Welcome again, my beloved in Jesus Christ. We're continuing our verse-by-verse journey through the Epistle of Jude, and today we're continuing to go over what Jude taught about how to combat heresy. So let's open our Bibles and read Jude verses 17 through 21 again together. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now, we're continuing to discuss just how we are to obey verse 20 and 21 of Jude. These verses tell us that the best way for us to ward off heresy and false teaching when it comes is to build yourselves up on your most holy faith and to keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, we can all see from these verses that God wants us to be strong. It is God's will that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But precisely how do we get strong? Exactly how do we obey the inspired words of Jude and build ourselves up on our most holy faith? And how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Jesus gave us a great key that we have been examining lately. We can find this key in Mark 8, verses 34 through 38. So let's read those verses again. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross And follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Now, I think it's safe to say that most all who name the name of Jesus realize that our modern American culture is corrupt, but we need to really discuss this because for some strange reason, although we would readily admit that our culture is corrupt and fallen, we who love the Lord have inexplicably chosen to adopt many of the tenets of this corrupt and fallen culture and brought them into our homes and into the church and into our own personal lives. Why in the world will we do that? We must surely believe that to follow the ways of the world is detrimental to our service and worship of Jesus Christ. Surely we would all agree that to adopt the ways of sinful men could never bring glory to God. And I think it's safe to say that most everyone would agree that the Bible contains the answer for this dilemma. So if all of that is true, why would we ever do what we are so eagerly doing? 
For example, we have more books, more videotapes, more seminars, more retreats, more information about how to have a godly home than any generation in the history of mankind. And yet we see more illegitimate births, more adultery, more sexually transmitted diseases, more divorce, more pornography use among believers than any generation in history. So in spite of all the information about how to have godly homes, by anybody's measurement, we have fewer godly homes now than at any time. Now why is that? Surely we don't lack information. No, we've got information running out of our ears. We don't need more information, but what we do lack is power. We lack miraculous, supernatural, holy and godly power because We do not obey Jesus and deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. Now, this isn't rocket science, beloved, but it is profound. We must understand that we cannot live lives of self-indulgence and then expect to have God's power at work in our lives. There are no shortcuts. Either we graciously and humbly bow to God's word and go his way, or we don't go at all. Either we do whatever our hearts crave, or else... We obey Jesus, but we can't do both. Either we take up our cross and follow Jesus, or we stay weak and ineffective. Many modern ministries actually promote self-indulgence. They teach us to become covetous. You will never gain spiritual power and strength by listening to what these people say. As men, we must reject the Hollywood image and the American corporate image of what a man is supposed to be like and submit to the authority of God's word so that men can once again be the head of our homes and love our wives like Christ loved the church and not be bitter against our wives but treat her as the weaker vessel. We need to have this power to raise our children in the fear and nurture of the Lord so that we do not provoke them into the wrath of God. We need the power to never allow our children to disrespect our wives, and we need power to guard what comes into our home and set the tone for what is allowed and what is not allowed in the home and lead our families in the ways of God. Women need this godly power to reject the demonic influence that feminism has offered them and to graciously submit to the authority of of their husbands and to submit to her God-given call to bear and raise children and to care for them and to keep the home and to love and support and follow her husband. Children need this very same godly power to resist the carnal and sinful influences that carnal music and worldly pleasure and humanistic public education has brought into their minds and hearts and they need to power to love and respect and obey their parents and to serve God. But that will never happen unless and until the man and the woman and the children begin to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. We must realize that we cannot do whatever our hearts crave. We cannot follow every dictate of our soul. We st- and still have what we all say we want to have. You simply can't get there from here. And what is true in the home is also true in the church. If we are to have a church that brings glory to God, we must not pattern the church after the world. After all, the church does not belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to the elders or the deacons. It doesn't belong to the pope or the cardinals. The church does not even belong to the people. The church was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who shed his blood, and he is the sole head of the Christian church. He is the head of the church, and everything that is done in the church, every service, every song, every program, every sermon, every activity, 
should be geared to bringing glory to God and to bring believers into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't set the standard for this, my friends. Paul, Peter, James, and John, Jesus, set the standard for how to set up the church and how to operate it. And then they set the standard down on paper so that we could read it, so that we would acknowledge that the Bible is not just a good idea, but is the very inspired and errant infallible word of the living God. So because all that is true, it is impossible to bring glory to God in the church if we adopt carnal methods and fleshly tactics. Beloved, God has already told us what the primary function of the church is to be. The church is to be the light of the world, a candle setting atop a candlestick, a city set on a hill, a beacon of truth in the world of error, an oasis of love and mercy and purity in a fallen culture, the pillar and ground of the truth in an age where truth is ignored and trampled. Nothing that comes from the lost world promotes God's agenda. Flesh cannot bring forth spirit. Carnal and human tactics do not bring forth the glory of God. The lost world is in hostile opposition to God's agenda. They always have been and always will be. The culture cannot be redeemed unless people get saved. It is impossible to have a godly culture without having godly people who live and function in the culture. The reason our culture is more ungodly today than it used to be is because we have more ungodly people who live in our culture than we used to. We have more people who do not deny themselves, who do not take up their crosses, who do not follow Jesus than we used to. And until these people get saved, they will never do what Christians do. They will never vote correctly. They will never live right. They will never act right. They act like they act because they're lost. And all the political and social activism in the world won't change that. Only Jesus can change the human nature. Only God can transform the human soul. But the church operates and always has operated outside the culture. We are not dependent on what the culture does. We serve Jesus because we love him. And the reason that we love him is because God put that love inside of us before he saved us. We did not possess the love before we were saved. That love for God and the desire to serve God is all a part of the new nature that God gives to those whom he has chosen to save. So as we see the culture go down, it is all the more important that the church be the church and not adopt the ways of the fallen culture. When no one wants to serve God, then that is the time that we must serve God all the more. When very few people want to actually follow Jesus, then that is the time that we must follow Jesus more and more. When when very few want to submit to the authority of the Bible, that is the very time that those who were saved must submit to the authority of God's word all the more. So when we see that very few people desire to study the Bible, the church needs to have more Bible studies, not less. When lukewarm and backslid people have no desire to pray, the church must be sure that it is calling people to prayer. Let me give you a clear example of what I'm talking about. It is absolutely unconscionable in a day when we are seeing a 50% divorce rate among God's people and when we are at war for the very soul of our nation that church after church is canceling their evening services so that people can stay home and watch the Super Bowl. Beloved, that is not a sign of, of, of our liberty in Christ. 
putting a sporting event ahead of God on the Lord's day is a sign of our backsliding. It is a sign of our idolatry. It is a sign of our unwillingness to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. It is a sign of cowardly leaders in the church who refuse to buck the carnal trends of people and they acquiesce to what the people want. The thought of the church of Jesus bowing to the whims of unsaved men and canceling Sunday services would have been unthinkable 50 years ago. But today, silly men like me cry out against it. This is just another part of what I'm talking about, the church adopting the ways of the world. It is things just like this that has made the church weak and ineffective and effeminate and unable to obey Jesus Christ. Unless people are saved, they do not want the things of God. So the effort of the church is not to change the culture. Our primary function is not to influence legislation or to pack the Supreme Court or to sign petitions or to boycott stores. The main thrust of the church of Jesus is to preach the gospel of Jesus rightly and fully and fearlessly to every creature so that lost souls will be saved and then to teach them all that Jesus has taught us so they won't want the sin of this age. Once these lost souls are saved, we are commanded by the Lord himself to disciple them and so that they will observe everything that he spoke. And it's really hard to do that during the Super Bowl. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not have the right and we do not have the authority to run the church the way that we see fit. The Bible tells us very quick, clearly how to run the church, and unless we go God's way, we're no different than the world. God is glorified when we and his church are humbly submitted to his authority. God is glorified when we obey him. God is honored when we do things his way. God is blessed when we follow Jesus. Denying yourself is nothing more than living in humble submission to God by obeying his word. How can we obey God's word if we don't know God's word? And how do we know if what is being taught is true or false if we don't know the Bible? Well, I'm going to have to stop right here, but please join me again on the next broadcast as we continue our journey through the the epistle of Jude. May God help us all. Dear friends, if this radio broadcast of line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching of God's holy word is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider supporting us financially? We want to increase our exposure here on the Gulf Coast through more radio stations and through the Internet. Would you pray about coming alongside of us and help us do that to God's glory? For further information about how you can partner with us in seeing the gospel triumph in our area or to receive a copy of today's broadcast, go to our website, www.covenantofpeace.net. Until next time. May the peace of God keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.